Archbishop Carlo Maria Vagano. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Matthew 24 4. Several times in Scripture, believers are commanded not to be deceived. The quote at the top of this post is just one of them. Unfortunately, many Christians, or at least those who claim to be Christians, are often deceived by the wiles of the devil. One of the greatest deceptions of our time is the increasing acceptance of the Roman Catholic Church state, RCCS, as a Christian church and her laymen, priests, nuns, monks, bishops, archbishops, cardinals, and popes as genuine Christians. This deception has its origin in the Antichrist RCCS and has been eagerly promoted by many leading evangelicals since the end of World War II, with men such as Billy Graham and Charles Colson leading many astray. The pro-life movement has been one of Rome's most effective tools for deceiving Protestants and has led many astray. After all, so the thinking goes, if the local archdiocese wants to organize a march against abortion or protest in front of an abortion clinic, why shouldn't Protestants join their brothers and sisters in Christ in the protest? We're stronger united than separated. But those who think this way go wrong right from the beginning, showing themselves to be deceived about the Church of Rome and its doctrines. The RCCS is not a Christian church, neither are Roman Catholics Christians. This is not something spoken out of spite, be a necessary conclusion drawn from the teachings of Rome herself. The gospel of justification by faith, belief, alone is essential to the Christian faith, Rome denies the gospel of justification by faith, belief, alone, therefore, Rome is not a Christian church. And what does the Bible teach Christians about ecumenical work with unbelievers? And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, Ephesians 5 11. Protestants' acceptance of those who teach and of those who believe Rome's false gospel of faith works righteousness has led these confused Protestants into a second mistake of having fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, all the while claiming to be doing good by opposing abortion. Now abortion is a monstrous thing. But as important as it is for Christians to oppose abortion, it is even more important for them to be clear on the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is only when we are clear on the gospel that we can hope to successfully oppose the wickedness of this world. As Jesus said, apart from me you can do nothing. For a more detailed account of how the pro-life movement has fostered the false gospel of the RCCS, please see more than these by Pastor Ralph Ovattle. My reason for mentioning the problem of pro-life ecumenism is to give a recent historical example of what I believe to be another, burgeoning ecumenism between the RCCS and Protestants, anti-globalist ecumenism. The new anti-globalist ecumenism has all the same dangers as the pro-life ecumenism and seems to be another facet of Rome's long-standing, dating back to at least Vatican II, drive to with the separated brethren, separated brethren is Rome's term for Bible-believing Christians, back home to Rome. In November 2021, Gateway Pundit, a well-known conservative website, carried a story titled Huge Exclusive, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano calls on people of faith to unite in a worldwide anti-globalist alliance to free humanity from the totalitarian regime, video. The same article also appeared on the conservative Roman Catholic website LifeSite News. Reading through the article, which features Vigano's call in both video and written form. What makes Vigano's appeal dangerous is not that it is completely wrong, but rather, just like with Rome's opposition to abortion, it is a clever mix of truth and error, which if left unchallenged, has the potential to deceive many Protestants into once again accepting Rome as an ecumenical partner in opposing the new great evil of the day, globalism. Make no mistake about it, globalism, like abortion, is indeed a great evil. It was the Lord Himself who destroyed the globalist pretensions of those who built the Tower of Babel, dividing mankind into nations. As Paul noted in his address to the Athenians on Mars Hill, it was God who had determined the times and the boundaries of all nations of men. For comparison, 
See Deuteronomy 32:8. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when He separated the sons of Adam, He set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. God approves of separate nations and in their political expression, the nation-state, and disapproves of worldwide empires such as Babylon, which serve to subjugate nations beneath the authority of one superstate. Indeed, the current system of international relations is known as the Westphalian World Order, WWO, which is named after the Treaty of Westphalia that settled the Thirty Years' War. In that war, the Allied Protestant forces of Europe defeated the papal attempt to force those nations to which the Reformation had come to remain under the yoke of Rome. One definition of the WWO is a global system based on the principle of international law that each state has sovereignty over its territory and domestic affairs, to the exclusion of all external powers, on the principle of non-interference in another country's domestic affairs, and that each state, no matter how large or small, is equal in international law. The doctrine is named after the Peace of Westphalia, signed in 1648, which ended the Thirty Years' War. If you were to tell people that the WWO is the idea that one nation-state has no business meddling in the internal affairs of another nation-state, many people would chalk that up to common sense. For example, what business is it of the President of the United States to tell the Prime Minister of Canada how to do his job? But the truth is, the WWO is a Christian principle recovered as one of the implications of the Word of God because of the Protestant Reformation. Indeed, the default common-sense position on international relations throughout most of history has been that empires are ideal, and independent nation-states the exception. It should come as no surprise that the RCCS with all its globalist pretensions would favor empire over independent nation-states as indeed it has throughout its history. Remarking on the signing of the Treaty of Westphalia in 1648, Pope Innocent X had what today we would call a meltdown. Writing in his Bullzello Domus Dei, the Pope described the Treaty of Westphalia as, null, void, invalid, iniquitous, unjust, damnable, reprobate, inane, empty of meaning and effect for all time. This is a typical, if more bombastic than most, statement from the popes of Rome regarding their views on the Christian system of international relations that has governed the world for nearly 400 years. And from that time until this very day, the RCCS has been constantly at work to subvert that system and usher in a new globalist superstate built on the model of medieval Europe, Rome's approved template for international relations. Time does not permit me to list all the statements promoting world government by the current Antichrist Pope Francis or by his predecessors. But one recent example will give you a flavor of just how much Rome hates independent nation-states and loves the idea of a globalist empire. In an interview dating from March 2021, Pope Francis is quoted as saying, W.E. can heal injustice by building a new world order based on solidarity. The globalist new world order feared by so many American patriots and others around the world is principally a creature of the RCCS. For more examples from Pope Francis, see the article 12 times Pope Francis has openly promoted a one-world religion or a new world order. One of my personal favorite quotes from Rome showing that officials of the RCCS almost explode with enthusiasm for the creation of a globalist new world order is taken from a 2011 article by Rod Dreher titled Vatican Calls for One World Government, Really? In this piece, the author seems to be genuinely surprised and shocked by Rome's blatant call for world government. The article quotes a report from Reuters that says, among other things, the Vatican called for the establishment of a supranational authority with worldwide scope and universal jurisdiction to guide economic policies and decisions. Such an authority should start with the United Nations as its reference point but later become independent and be endowed with the power to see to it that developed countries were not allowed to wield excessive power over the weaker countries. As can be seen from the above examples, 
Pope Francis is not alone in his hatred of nation-states and the love of global empires. Statement after statement from multiple popes and other high-ranking officials of the RCCS can be brought forward to demonstrate that this is the consistent view of church-state. The quotes provided above are just the tip of the iceberg. For more on this topic, see John Robbins' Ecclesiastical Megalomania Chapter 8, which is titled simply World Government. As Robbins pointed out at the beginning of that chapter, what the Roman Church state accomplished on a small scale during the Middle Ages is what it desires to achieve on a global scale in the coming millennium, 187. Christians need to ask themselves this question, given Rome's long-standing and obvious desire for world government, and given Rome's equally obvious hatred for independent nation-states, is it reasonable to think that a sitting Archbishop of the RCCS, even one such as Carlo Maria Vigano is the sort of man Christians should unite with under the banner of fighting globalism? The answer is clearly, no. Protestants beware. Do not be deceived.